yard mowed and cleaned and, and uh, things picked up. And, you know, I couldn't even begin to tell you all the federal regulations that we've got to come in compliance with uh, to do all kinds of things. You say, well, it shouldn't be that way. Well, well, it is. You know, there's taxes that have to be paid and things that got to be done and insurance to be taken care of. And, and uh, you know, those people are never seen. Uh, you see me week in and week out. But you wouldn't be able to be here, and I wouldn't be able to be here, and we wouldn't be able to function and do the things that we do. We wouldn't be able to have a lake day or a Sunday morning Bible study if, if we didn't have people in those places doing those things that are never seen, never known. And so uh, I just want to say thank you, and I, I want to encourage you to not just look at the obvious gifts that exist in the body, but look around and discern every gift that's in the body the ones that are seen and the ones that are unseen, but it's the unseen things that really make, just like with your body, it's the unseen parts of your body that really make and allow your body to function the way that it does. And so it's the same in the body of Christ. So let us be thankful for all that God has blessed us with as a body. Amen? Amen. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, today we're going to talk specifically about... Um, we're still talking about gifts, but we're going to talk about gifts today in relationship to fruit, gifts and fruit of the Spirit, because we can't really talk about one without the other, and we can't separate these two because they are tied together, just like the different parts of your body are tied together linked together, connect together, and it is the life in the body that enables everything to happen, take place. Let's begin reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's, let's go back to or, uh, verse 29, and we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 12, 29 to the third verse of chapter 13. So 1 Corinthians 12, 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And I think you see what Paul is saying. The implied answer to those questions are no. But he says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And the best gifts that he's talking about are those gifts that cause the edification of the body, not just a gift that builds me up, but the gifts that, that go to build up the entirety of the body. Yet I show you a more excellent way, verse, or chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Father, we thank you for the word of God, for the scripture, and we pray today, Lord, that you open our hearts and our minds to the truth of this scripture, Lord, to the truth of the word, that you would cause us to see, Father, as you would have us see, and to know as you would have us know, Lord, the truth that would make us free. 
Father, we thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit to open our hearts and to open our minds and to make known to us Christ, the living word, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so here we see that you can't just read chapter 12 and not read chapter 13 because it's a continuous thought. You can't just read chapter 13 and ignore chapter 12 because chapter 13 came as a result of chapter 12. You guys do realize when Paul wrote these letters, there was no such thing as chapter and verse. This was one long letter that was written to this church in the city of Corinth. And so Paul is continuing his thought here, his teaching on spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. And he's really not just teaching about spiritual gifts, he's really teaching about the body as a whole. Spiritual gifts and the operation of those gifts are just part of the functioning of the body. So now he asks these rhetorical questions, are all apostles, teachers, prophets, workers of miracles, do all have the gift of healings, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? No, all don't do that. Those gifts are given to different members of the body as God wills. He distributes to each as he wills, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. But he says, let me show you a more excellent way. Desire gifts, but let me show you a more excellent way. And then he, in the first three verses of chapter 13, he is making a direct contrast between Spiritual giftings and abilities and operations and functions in the body and love, or more specifically, fruit. So not all, I want you to think about this, when we talk about contrasting gifts with fruit, because this, these, are important, these are important things to understand. So when you think about gifts of the Spirit versus fruit of the Spirit, we see that Paul teaches in the end of this chapter that not all are meant to have the same gifts. Would you agree with that? Not all of the body is meant to have the same gifts. But can we also say that all are meant to have the same fruit? We might not all be apostles, prophets, workers of miracles. We might not all have the gift of healings, but are we all to have love? Ah, oh, the answer is yes. So not all are meant to have the same gift, but all are meant to have the same fruit. So think about this. Gifts are given to us as a result of God's grace. How do we know that? Uh, That's what the scripture says. So gifts are given to us as a result of his will. So the gift I have is according to his will. Fruit is produced in us. Gifts are given to us. Fruit is produced in us as a result of his life. Fruit will come from my life, from me, as a branch in the tree, because of the life that's in me. So fruit is produced in us as a result of his life. Gifts are manifested according to his grace, Romans teaches us. Fruit is manifested according to his life. So where his life is, we can say there his fruit will be also. (laughs) That's what Jesus taught us in Matthew 7, 21. Gifts are finite. How do we know that? Because Paul says, 
He goes on and he says, toward the end of chapter 13, he says, love, verse 8, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will fail. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But what never fails? Love never fails. Gifts are finite. They have an end, but fruit, listen church, fruit is infinite. It remains and it abides and it never fails. So by the same spirit, we have gifts and we have fruit. But those gifts and those fruit, though they are by the same spirit, they indicate different things. Gifts indicate something. Fruit indicates something. Gifts are given to us indicating what? God's grace. Remember the very word charisma is linked to the word grace. They are gifts of grace. So when gifts are operating in our life, the fact that I have a gift, you have a gift, you are operating in your gift, you possess a gift, that is an indication of God's grace. Why? Because remember, you didn't earn it, buy it, work for it, pray for it. You might, have, you might have done all that, but you didn't get it for any of that. You got it because God in His grace gave it to you. And He gave it to you because He chose to in His sovereign will. So gifts indicate the grace of God. Fruit is not given to us. Fruit is produced in us. It's a product of the life that's in us. And fruit indicates what? Maturity. Fruit indicates maturity. If you were to go out in, in the springtime and go to the nursery and buy you a little fruit tree about that big in a one-gallon container and plant it, guess what you're not going to get after you plant it? You're not going to get any fruit. Why? Because it's too immature. But once that tree matures... It will reach a level of maturity, and guess what it will produce? Fruit. It may only produce one, but when it reaches a certain level of maturity, it will produce fruit. And as it continues to mature, guess what it's going to produce more of? Fruit. So, by the same Spirit, we have gifts and fruit, but they indicate different things. Gifts indicate God's grace. Fruit indicates maturity. Fruit is always a result of maturity. So think about this. Gifts are always a result of grace, right? We don't earn them. We don't buy them. Gifts are a result of grace but not always a result of maturity. So, gifts always indicate a level of grace, but not a level of maturity. How do we know that? Because we're studying right now the book of 1 Corinthians. And in the Corinthian church, there was a level of grace that enabled them to operate in many gifts. But there was lacking, sorely lacking, a level of maturity that caused Paul to have to teach them the very thing we're learning right now. And so, gifts always indicate God's grace, but they don't necessarily indicate maturity in the body. I think sometimes we, as the church, get that backwards. Because we are all hyped up on gifts, and we think things are really great because we got lots of gifts operating, but, but if there's no maturity to go along with that, that means there's no fruit. And if there's no fruit, 
This is what Paul is saying. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, my speech is meaningless. So, grace always will bring gifts, but gifts don't always result from maturity, but they always result from grace. Fruit is always a result of maturity, and it's always a result of grace too. Do you understand that? Anything and everything that, that we are, that we do in the body of Christ is a result of the grace of God. So if I mature and become fruitful, yes, it is the grace of God operating in my life that enables me to do that. But that donkey that spoke to Balaam, we can say God gave that donkey a gift to be able to speak to the prophet, but would we agree that that donkey was not spiritually mature? No. It was just a gift of grace. It was just something God did. The donkey didn't take a course in Hebrew and learn to speak Hebrew and so he could speak to the prophet. I mean, God just supernaturally, when you operate in a gift, it's because God in his grace supernaturally enables you to operate in it. But now fruit's different. Fruit is always a result of maturity, and it is always a result of grace. So fruit always indicates a level of maturity as well as a level of grace. So when Paul speaks of growing up into him in all things, this is what he's talking about. He's talking about us coming to a unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to the fullness, the measure of the stature of Christ, us growing up in all things into him he said to the Ephesians. This is maturity. So grace, here's a real simple definition of grace that I like. Grace is the power and ability from God to do His will. You're not going to do anything apart from God. How do we know that? Because that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So as I'm connected in Him, it is His grace operating that's enabled me to do His will. So grace is the power and ability from God to do His will. Maturity, what is maturity? Maturity is the increasing knowledge of Christ and the increasing manifestation of His life. Now when I plant that little fruit tree, I know it's a fruit tree, but it's proved out, it's born out when what? When the fruit comes. Then it's, all, it, it, for, it's there for all to see. That truly is an apple tree, a peach tree, a pear tree. So I can say I'm a believer all day long. And God in His grace, and by the working of the Holy Spirit, will bring me to a place of maturity when the life that I confess to have in me should at some point be manifest for the world to see that I truly am a Christian by the love or the fruit that's in my life. So fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is the governor, and it's the indicator. So Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he's saying, look, guys, it's not enough just to have gifts. You've got gifts. You're doing all these things, but you don't have any love. Your gifts are not governed by love. You've got gifts, but they're in the wrong context. So according to 1 Corinthians 13, fruit is to govern all gifts. Fruit is... Now listen, here's where we're going to talk specifically about the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit, all fruit, can be defined in one word. You know what that one word is? It is love. 
So let's go over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and let's look at Galatians 5.22. This is where Paul speaks of, writes of, the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, we commonly say these are the nine fruits of the Spirit. I kind of want to destroy that paradigm in your mind today. Let me ask you, if you how many of you have fruit trees in your yard? Okay. So think of whatever kind of fruit tree you have in your yard. I have a peach tree in my yard, okay? When I go to my peach tree... What do I find on there? Okay. If you have an apple tree, when you go to your apple tree, what do you find on there? Do you ever find oranges on your... Do you ever find... Don't listen to what he says. Do you ever listen... Yeah, do you ever, you ever find uh, apples on your peach tree? Or peaches on your apple tree? Or oranges on your pear tree? You, know, you don't, do you? I want you to think about the fruit of the Spirit in a different way than maybe you have. I want you to picture in your mind right now, I'd draw you a picture if I could, but I can't. So you're going to have to draw it yourself in your mind. I want you to picture a tree. One tree, okay? Jesus said in Matthew 7.21, he said, I think it's verse 7.21, it's in the seventh chapter there, he says, every good tree will produce good fruit, okay? So I want you to picture a tree. Is Jesus ever pictured as a tree? Do we have a type and a shadow in, in Scripture that, that, that typifies Christ? The tree of life. From the very beginning, in the very beginning, before God created man, guess what was in the garden? The tree of life. Before man was created, guess who was there? Christ. Matter of fact, we were created by him, for him, and through him. So I want you to picture a tree. There's one good tree. Matthew 7 is not talking about you being a good tree. He's talking about there is every good tree. What, what is the good tree? Who is the only good tree? Christ is. Remember the conversation with the rich young ruler? Good teacher. What? Why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that is who? God. So we can't say that we're good trees, can we? By Jesus' own words and teaching and definition, can we really be good trees? Mm -mm. There's, only one. There's only one true vine. There's only one tree of life. He is Christ. So picture one good tree. Who does the one good tree represent? Christ. Now I want you to picture many branches. Most trees have many branches, right? Who are the many branches? 
We are. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, I want you to picture how many kinds of fruit is this one tree going to have? One kind. So the fruit is not love, joy, peace, patience. You know, it's like people say, well, you know, I, I got a lot of, I got a lot of uh, patience, but I just don't have much love. Or, you know, I, I, I got a lot of patience, but I'm just not always very kind. Or I need to work on getting more kindness. I got lots of this fruit, but I need some more of this fruit. I don't want you to think that way. Because that's like thinking that there's all these different kinds of fruit growing on one kind of tree. Do you see that anywhere in nature? You don't see that anywhere in nature, do you? You don't. Now, you stay with me. Hang with me, okay? So, can we agree that there's only, there's one good tree, it's Christ. There's many branches, that would be the church, the body of Christ. We're in the book. This is what Jesus has defined so far as in Scripture. And we know that according to nature, every kind produces after its own kind. That's a law that God wrote into nature beginning in Genesis. It says that in Genesis, and they each produced after their own kind. This was the problem with Adam being alone. He couldn't produce after his own kind because there was no one like him. So one tree, many branches, one kind of fruit. So what is the kind of fruit that's on the tree? It's the fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's the fruit right there. It's the fruit of the Spirit. That's the fruit that should be produced, that must be produced in our life. So there's only one fruit that the good tree produces in its many branches, and it is the fruit of the Spirit. So I don't want you to think of nine different fruit growing on one tree, okay? I want you to kind of destroy that paradigm in your mind. There's only one fruit, and it's the fruit of the Spirit. But Paul says here, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you just... Take love out of that list of nine. Can you have any of those others without love? I don't think you can. I think it's impossible. Matter of fact, what's interesting to me is, if you, if you eliminate any of these from that list, you begin to find that it's very difficult to operate in any of those nine characteristics listed there if you take one of those out. I mean, how gentle can you be if you don't have any patience? <laughs> I mean, really and truly. I mean, how much joy are you going to have in your life if you don't have any peace in your life? So if you really begin to meditate on what is here, we really have to kind of back away and say, the fruit of the Spirit's not listed, limited to these nine things. So are we... We, we can't really say, we can't just limit the fruit of the Spirit to these nine things, can we? That's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? There's one, there's one fruit that the tree produces. It is the fruit of the Spirit. But we can say that we can't limit the Spirit to these nine things, but we can say that 
that the fruit of the Spirit is characterized by all of these things, is it not? And even more than that, so much more that, that it becomes impossible for us to put into human terms. Can we just list nine things and say, okay, that's the fruit of the Spirit, that's it. If it's not in that list, then it's not spiritual fruit. No. Is Paul saying that that all I have to have is love, but I don't need to have any joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control? No. No more than Jesus was saying, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, and you have kept all the law and all the commandments. Do you understand what Jesus was saying there? He says, if you can love God with all your heart, and you can love your neighbor as yourself, he said, you will keep all the law and all the prophets. Was he saying all that the law and the prophets said didn't mean anything? No. But he was saying this, in love, they all come together, they are all summed up, and they are all fulfilled. You tracking with me, church? Okay? So the fruit of the Spirit is not just a list of nine things. It's so much more than that. The manifestation of Christ's life through you and through me is more than just whether I have checked these nine things off of my list. Well, I'm good to go. I've got all nine of these working in my life now. It's, it's, we can't put God in a box like that. It's not that simple. But yet... Though we can say that it's so much more than what we can express, what we can describe, it passes our understanding. It's kind of like the peace of God. The peace that we now have with God in Christ passes, Paul says, understanding. The love that God has for you, he told the Colossians, it passes comprehension. But I pray that you know it. You can come to know it, but you'll never comprehend it fully because it passes comprehension. You can have a peace that passes your understanding, but you'll never be able to understand it because it passes your understanding. The fruit of the Spirit is not just nine characteristics I can check off in my life and say, now I'm good to go. No, it is so much greater than that. How can we describe it? How can we put it into words? How can we, well, listen... How do we keep all the law? Jesus said, love, love God. And love one another as I have loved you. See, love is not just a fruit. It's not just the first fruit. It is the fruit. Love is the byword now for the fruit. This is what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 13. All right, let's let's look at the command to love. John 13, 33. What's Jesus say? Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It's not even the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself any longer. Now it's the commandment that we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. Do you see where that supersedes everything? And if I love you the way Christ loved me, then how can I not also love God with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my strength? I will. This is the fulfillment of the law. 1 John 3.23. This is His commandment to us. 
A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. That should be 1 John 3, 23. This is His commandment to us, to believe on the Son and to love one another. Turn over to 1 John. Let's go there. Anybody have that satellite radio in your car? How many of you guys like to? My brother has it, and he listens to the 50s music. I've, I was riding with him some when I was down there when my mom passed away, and he's like, got all this music. I'm like, he goes, this is 50s music. He says, this is what I used to listen to when I was in high school. I said, no wonder I never heard it before. <laughs> when I first got saved... And I came into the kingdom, and I came here, and Jimmy Winnicek used to lead worship here. And there was a song we sang all the time. Beloved, let us love one another. You know it? For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God, he that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. <laughs> that was a standard, man. That was cutting edge. <laughs> that was cutting edge worship at one time. But it's the scripture. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For he who loves, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, I made a statement a while ago that love is not only the governor, but it's the indicator. And, and we see that Jesus and the Holy Spirit has reduced everything down to this one thing, this one concept. And it is defined by, and the indicator is love. It's love. Without love, we have no assurance of the life of God any more than if your tree never produces any fruit, you have no assurance. Why do you buy a fruit tree so for, for it to produce fruit? Jesus said, look, every good tree will produce good fruit. Who is the good tree? He is. And if you're a branch connected to the good tree, guess what you will do? You will bear fruit. Why? Because Jesus said you would. And I'm going to trust what Jesus says. But if, if I never bear fruit... Then, then something is not right. If you do not have love, let's just substitute the word fruit there. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I don't have love, if I don't have any fruit in my life, if there is no manifestation of God's life through me, and who is God? God is love. God's not just some guy who does tricks, who heals people and raises the dead. He's not just a guy who's showing off his power, doing all these tricks. He said, you guys got all the tricks down, but you don't have any fruit. You don't have any love. Balaam's donkey can do those things, but do you have the life of God in you? God can use a donkey to do the things you guys are doing, you Corinthians, but do you have any love? 
Because if you don't have any love, you don't have anything. Why? Because love is the indicator of God's life, of Christ in us, the hope of glory. If you do not have love, you have no fruit. And fruit is the indicator of God's life. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So we see now that in 1 Corinthians, Paul is teaching something much greater than just the proper exercise of spiritual gifts. He is teaching a foundational principle and understanding about what it means to be saved and to be in the body of Christ, a member of Christ's body. And he's saying it's more than just understanding the proper context for for operating in spiritual gifts. Paul is teaching us about the foundational nature of love as the indicator of our life in Christ and Christ's life in us. If, If Christ's life is in me and my life is in Him, if I'm a branch connected to the vine and the vine is connected to me, then what's going to happen? John 15, go home and read it. You're going to bear fruit. And the Father who is the vine dresser knows how to prune you and clean you and, and, and take care of you so that you produce more fruit. And then he even knows how to get more fruit still. And by this, my Father is glorified, Jesus said, that you bear much fruit. So we see Paul is teaching about this foundational understanding, this foundational truth, that love is the indicator of our life in Christ. Paul is contrasting fruit with gifts to reveal to us the foundational reality of love. And love is what? Love is the byword for the fruit of the Spirit. Love is not one of the fruit. Well, God, if I've got the other eight, but I'm lacking this one, I'm okay, right? No, wrong. Because you can't have one and not the others. You can't have all the others and lack one. No, this is who God is. This is the manifestation of his life. And Paul is saying, this is the fruit of the Spirit. This is what God wants to produce in and through your life. And love is now the byword for fruit. Without love, without the fruit of the Spirit, though I speak with the tongues of angels, without love, without fruit, my speech has no meaning. Without love, without fruit, though I have gifts and abilities, regardless of how supernatural they are. If I don't have love, if I have no fruit in my life, I am nothing. But who is God? God is love. Therefore, He is everything. If I don't have love, I don't have God who is everything. And if I don't have God, that leaves me as a big nothing. Without love, without the fruit of the Spirit, though I give my, all my possessions, and though I sacrifice all for all, Paul says it profits me nothing. You might have profited somebody else, and good for them, but it doesn't do anything for you. Because anything we do apart from him is nothing. Apart from me, Christ said, you can do nothing. So love is the byword for the fruit of the Spirit. If I have not love, I have no fruit. If I have no fruit, the question must be asked. 
am I in the good tree? If I have no fruit, am I in the good tree? Am I in Christ? There reaches a point in our lives. This is Paul's exact point to the Corinthians. You can read it in 1 Corinthians 11. He said, guys, there's so many disorders and divisions among you. You, can't, you guys can't even come together and take communion, take the Lord's Supper, without, without creating all of these problems. He said, my advice to you is to examine yourself to see whether you are truly in the faith. If there's no love operating in your life, he says, I don't care what else is going on in your congregation. If there's no love, there is an indication that, that there is no life in you. Because love is the byword for God's life in you. That is the fruit that God is looking for. This is how love fulfills all the law and all the prophets. This is how love now becomes the, the new commandment that Christ has given to his church. Because if there is love, for one another as I have loved you, Jesus said, then that means your life. My life is in you, and your life is in me. How do we know? Because there's fruit there, because there's love there, and God is love. For he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is to be the governor of the gifts. Yes, but more than that, love is the indicator as to whether the life of God is truly resident within us. Whether we are branches in the one good tree or whether we're connected to some other false tree or false hope. Love is the fruit that identifies the branch and the tree. God didn't create trees to be branchless. He is the tree, you are the branches. The fruit of the Spirit in our lives not only identifies the branches, but identifies the tree. Without love, without love, church, we, we are nothing. We are nothing. We're going to stop there, but we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go through the rest of 1 Corinthians 13 next week. I want you to keep that picture in your mind. One tree. There's one good tree, it's Christ. There's one kind of fruit, it's of the Spirit. And there are many branches. Listen, instead of you, it's kind of like the children of Israel. You know, instead of them trying to concentrate on the 600 some odd rules and regulations that were given there in the law, Jesus came and he said, look, I tell you what, guys, love God with all your heart all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And if you will purpose to love God, you'll fulfill all these other things. Quit trying to master self-control in, in, in whatever, what other fruit there that you seem to feel is lacking in your life. You can go read all the books ever written on self-control and you'll never master self-control. Because self-control is not something you learn from a book. Self-control is not some exercise of your will. It's not. It is a fruit of the Spirit. You know how you master self-control? Love God. Love God. Purpose to love God. 
purpose to love him. How are you going to love him if you don't know him? And how are you going to know him if you never read the love letter he's left you? In the book that reveals his very nature and character, how are you going to know him if you never read this? You're not going to get it from watching Christian television. I'll guarantee you that. You better learn to love this book right here. You better learn to love the Scripture because this reveals the living Word, Jesus Christ. And you will never become fruitful until you know Him. Read all the books you want. You can make Barnes and Nobles rich and successful, but it won't do anything for you that will ever pass this life. But His fruit... The fruit that he's purposed for each one of us in Christ to possess, that fruit remains. It remains for all eternity. Gifts will pass away. They will go away. They are fleeting, but fruit, fruit remains. It is eternal because it is the very manifestation of his life. And his life is eternal for he is the eternal one. Love, God, church. Become passionate about Him. Seek Him. Seek to know Him. (coughs) Seek to love Him. And as you love Him, you will love one another. And you will find your life conforming to that which the Scripture reveals. Amen? Let's all stand.